Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, my Mm. favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join 
the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to Game of Roses. Today we have a very special episode. We have two very special guests, Nick Thompson and Jeremy Hartwell from Love is Blind Season 2. They've been making headlines recently, uh, discussing all of the various producer practices that were used against them, around them, to them on Love is Blind Season 2, and also discussing essentially the future of what may be a reality TV players union coming out of all of your endeavors with UK and everything. The revolution. We're hoping. I mean, we've been talking about this for a while, but thank you so much for being here. For those who don't know, Nick Thompson was on Love is Blind Season 2, proposed to Danielle Rule in Episode 1. That first episode was cliffhanged, and then Episode 2 started with the reveal, and they obviously went on to do what they did that season. Jeremy Hartwell, also from Love is Blind Season 2, did not get engaged, was on screen for about 30 seconds, uh, you're what we call in that franchise a forgotten, but mm-hmm. today you are forgotten no more. Uh, so <laughs> thank you very much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, please. It's our pleasure. Uh, we really think that what is going on right now, specifically with Love is Blind, but in Bachelor 2, we cover Bachelor and a bunch of other reality shows. Um, all of the whistleblowing that's going on and the attention being called to producer practices, it's something we've been talking about for a long time. They've been doing a Bachelor for 20 years. It seems like Love is Blind, for some reason, it's a newer show. People are paying more attention. So yeah. let me open with this question to both of you. Why did you originally sign up to go on Love is Blind? Um, well, that's a great question. I'll, I'll start, I guess. Um, I was reached out to on LinkedIn by a casting agent, and I had heard of the, oh. the show before, but um, I'd only heard of it because everyone watched it during COVID. So. Um, I, I'm not a big consumer of reality TV. I understand. Um, I mean, I, I could be, I got locked into like one season, Nick Vile season of the bachelor. Oh, Nick Vial. That was your first season. That was first and last. Very important season. <laughs> That's Chad's favorite season. Favorite bachelor. It is. It's true. I, w- I remember watching it. I was like, I get it. Like I get how people just get into this world. It's totally yeah. But um, so I went back and I watched Love is Blind um, season one, and I initially really related to actually the two couples that got married um, because I was thinking, you know, this addresses a lot of the critiques that I have about dating in today's world um, where everybody's just scattered all over the place. Nobody's taking time to get to know anyone. And I thought to myself, like, you know, I do take time to get to know people when I date sometimes to my detriment because I don't play the same Uh, type of games that a lot of people do. And so I thought, you know what, maybe, maybe this could be it for me. And so I, you know, say I'm like, all of a sudden I woke up and I was there and that's kind of how it felt from that first interview. Um, You know, it just kept snowballing and then boom, there. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you just a follow-up question? You said that you've only seen one prior to that one season of Bachelor. Did you know about generally speaking, how reality TV was made, that it's not real at all? I 100% know that, which is part of the reason I never really got into it. Um, and okay. actually, my my degrees in entertainment business, um, and I graduated around the time of, um, you know, the initial like takeoff of reality TV. So there was so much, so many projects, so many discussions around what was going on in reality TV that 
I kind of knew it was um, uh, slightly less scripted filmmaking. Okay. Okay. This makes this makes a lot of sense that that's your degree because I was listening to your interview with Dave Neal and I was like, they got maybe smarter players on Love is Blind is maybe <laughs> what they weren't accounting for. I was just like, damn, done the research. Like, see, you just sounded like you know knew what you were talking about when, like you're saying, you didn't really watch any reality TV shows. Yeah, uh, and I'll say, too, on, on that... Um, you know, I, I firmly believe that I was honest the whole casting process. I was clear that, hey, I'm not the kind of person that steps outside of my my values. I'm not the kind of person that gets pushed into something that I don't want to do. And I will tell producers no. I will leave if that's you know what what makes the most sense. And just so you know, this is the double interview. Like, is that someone that you want on this show? Because I don't want to waste your time and I don't want you to waste mine if that's not. So I feel like they knew, but maybe they didn't know that I'm also porous and I'm stubborn. And, um, you know, I, I have a, a yes, what I feel is un, yeah, <laughs> unwavering <laughs> desire to do the right thing, um, no matter what. So how about you, Jeremy? What uh, what made you want to sign up for the show or, or did you sign up? Did you get scouted, too? Yeah, well, are we talking astrology signs first? Uh, I'm an I'm an Aries. I don't know if that uh, helps anybody here, but um, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, just like Nick, we don't really know that much about astrology, <laughs> but I know I'm a Taurus. I don't either. Um, I actually just found out what my sign was like two years ago, so I say oh, it whenever nice. necessary. Um, yeah. So, like Nick, I was scouted out, and actually, I think it was a bit more insidious because my recruiter found me on Hinge, and she actually matched with me on Hinge. <gasps> sent me a message saying, Hey, I have a boyfriend, but I think you'd be a really good fit for the show I'm casting for. Um, hit up my Instagram and let me know what you think. So I thought it was spam at first and went to her Instagram, saw that she worked for a casting company and a lot like Nick, I am not really into reality TV, right? I think prior to that, I had maybe seen a few episodes of survivor or something like that. Right. But it was never on my playlist. And so to me, I have a core ethos and values of trying new and challenging things, right? I seek out things that are a little bit scary that I'm not used to that are new. And because someone reached out for me to, uh, for this, that checked all of those boxes, right? I'm like, huh. it, it was like, yeah, this is kind of a terrifying prospect, like being in front of a camera. I've never done something like this before. I don't really know a lot about this. So um, I really just decided to throw my hat in the ring. And I think at the time, I I don't do anything without the intent of succeeding. But it was also the understanding of like, I didn't actually think I'd be cast, right? It was just, okay, someone reached out to me. This fits with my core ethos of the kind of opportunities that I pursue. So I'm just going to throw my hat in the ring and see where this goes. So Hinge, hinge and LinkedIn. That's interesting. I mean, most of what we hear about is casting through Instagram, but I like to see that the tactics are hmm. on Netflix. They're really creative with this. The LinkedIn thing was funny. I literally laughed with my friends immediately when I saw it. Yeah, everyone should start checking their LinkedIn messages. <laughs> Who knows what's in there? What what terrors await you? Yeah. <laughs> I could have been cast on Love is Blind season three. God damn it. Um, by season two... You guys, I assume, were aware of Lauren Speed and Cameron Hamilton. Proof that not only can this process work, but also proof that it can uh, turn out giant influencers with millions of followers. 
Were you aware of that going into season two, that that was a possibility? You might walk out of here with a million Instagram followers. So I'm naive. Um, I didn't think it was going to be that big. I wasn't much on social media outside of LinkedIn. Um, So I found out definitely. um, So I was under the impression I would go and be home in three days. Like I even kept my therapist appointment that Thursday, which was five days later. Um, mm-hmm. after leaving because I'm like, I'll be back like this. I know that this, I'm not what they're looking for, for this, but, um, in, in a nutshell, like I didn't really know until after that they had such significant Instagram followers. And I just remember, like, I felt like I sleepwalked into the whole show coming, um, mm-hmm. out to the point where like, I pulled work like a few days before the, they announced the cast. I'm like, Oh, Hey, just FYI. And they're like, wait, what? That's like the biggest reality show. Like I had no idea the scope of it. Oh, so wow. I was very taken aback when it, when it first started, like waking up the day the cast was announced and I had 7,000 Instagram followers. I had like 348 maybe before that. And yeah. then as the, you know, the weeks go on, you're getting like another 50, another hundred. And so it, it's just, it's a lot of pressure because, you know, if you're not on social media and you don't have a regular presence, you just don't even know what to do with it. I was mm-hmm. naive. Did anybody from the show tell you that that might be an outcome? When you got cast in the show, um, they kind of allude to it. Um, you know, they they make nothing official, but make casual comments about how much money you'll make and stuff like that. Which, unless you just sell yourself out for you know any product that'll pay you to to sell it, there's not there's not an unlimited amount of money to be made just from having a large following. Right. So their approach was like, you might find love, but also you might be able to to monetize this somehow. I would say the monetization part came more so after the casting part when, when like when we were mm. filming or let's say like even after I'd cast and I would talk a little bit to my producer um, in mm. prep, but ahead of time, it was very much. And this is one of the things that is so frustrating about this whole process is because they really tell you this is a love experiment. We are not the bachelor. We are not seeking out people that are looking for clout. We are seeking out people that are yeah. ready for a relationship and haven't been able to find one. And hmm. sure, that can be marketing. And I, I totally believe that. But, you know, after the psych evaluation that I went through and, you, you know, you do like a 200 question test um, and then you, you do a, um, a 30 to, to hour long interview with a mental health professional. And I vetted, you know, her and I'm like, you know, what are these like? Because I don't want to go and get myself in a situation where like I'm surrounded by a bunch of uh, people that aren't there for these reasons. And she reassured me the show is different. Um, it, it isn't The Bachelor. It's not The Bachelor in Paradise. Like we are, we are literally built this experiment based on psychology and the ability to um, connect with someone in real life. Are there scientists uh, behind it who <laughs> like the casting? They make you they make you think there's psychologists behind it. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there's a okay. producer on Love is Blind who also produces Bachelor. At least in that case, it's literally the same person making these two shows. Um, let me ask you, Jeremy, about the contract you guys signed, because I know you have a lawsuit that is separate from your organization that you guys are launching called you can, yeah. we're going to get into that for sure. I, I think it's such an important thing you guys are doing. And I really, I feel that it is the first step toward a, a union, like a SAG basically for reality actors. But at any rate, 
you guys signed this contract. We have gone through the bachelor contract line by line on this very show. There's a line in it that literally says you give up your civil rights. That is a direct <coughs> quote from this contract. Is there anything like that in the love is blind contract? I'm sure you've gone through it now with a fine tooth comb. Yeah. How are your civil rights right now? Do you have them still or no? <laughs> well, I took mine back. <laughs> It's, um, yeah, I, I think it's a really good point. And a lot of people, you know, on the internet will get some comments too. I'm sure that it's like, oh, well, you, you read the contract, you know, what you're getting yourself into. And yeah, I mean, I did read the contract and, and so did Nick presumably. And it's, there were a lot of really troubling clauses in there. And I think for me personally, I can't speak for other people, but I have a background in contract management. So when I was reading some of these clauses to me, like I had an understanding of like, look, just because something's in a contract doesn't mean it's enforceable, right? You can't put mm -hmm. extra legal and extra legal means um, not specifically codified, right? You can't put extra legal or illegal clauses in a contract and have it be enforceable. So as I was reading through this, I got the idea that like, look, if shit really hit the fan, um, there's some things in here that I'm not particularly worried about. It seems like they're just threatening and intimidating mm -hmm. language. And um, but there are other things in there that are pretty ironclad, right? And I think the arbitration agreement is a really, really big one. And we can go down this rabbit hole if you want, but that's one of the reasons you haven't seen lawsuits before is because anytime someone has an issue or they report abuse, it gets wrapped up in these arbitration clauses and it's sealed away from the public, right? So that's why you only get like drips and rumors of this stuff going on in the past. Um, with, with the lawsuit, uh, I took a different approach. Um, in violating California labor law. And I think coincidentally, or maybe by fate, who knows, um, there was a, a common law that was signed um, into, like a codified into law maybe two or three months before we signed our contract called AB5. And it mm -hmm. laid out stipulations for how you can classify employments, employers, I'm sorry, employees, mm -hmm. whether you're a contract laborer or a full-time employee. And so, my lawsuit basically is stating that they violated California labor law. And so because you're violating a state law, they couldn't just keep it quiet in the arbitration clause, which is why it finally got out into the public docket and the court of public opinion, which hmm. really was one of my goals there, right? We had to find a way to get this out into the public and truly report to everyone, hey, there's some really messed up stuff going on here. Yeah. Were I there mean red flag clauses other than the arbitration clause? Um, yeah, there was a liquidated damages clause of $50,000. Um, and basically liquidated damages for people who don't know, uh, legalese, it's essentially recovery of one party for the other party, not performing the duties that they had agreed to. Right. And so that is going to the mm. altar or, or just leaving the show before producers say you allowed to leave. Right. Mm -hmm. And quitting at all. There is a, at all, for any reason. And, and there is a business justification for this, but the problem is they use it as a cudgel, right? Mm -hmm. So they explicitly said, like, for example, when the first day, when they locked us in our hotel rooms for 24 hours straight, they told us, if we catch you outside of your hotel rooms, um, you might be kicked off the show and you'll have to pay the 50K, right? Mm -hmm. So they use that liquidated damages to keep us um, in line and to keep us from being removed from the show. Because anytime if we wanted to maybe disagree or not follow producer's advice, which also in the contract, it said we were obligated to do that, right? But yeah. they basically threatened us with this 50K if we didn't follow what they told us to do. And now that you guys are both out in front of all of this, uh, talking to various publications, talking to us, talking to Dave Neal, whoever else, 
Are you at all worried? Or let me ask you this. Have you gotten a cease and desist? Has Kinetic Content sent you anything saying, stop going on these podcasts? Not yet. I will wear it as a badge of honor. Yeah. <laughs> I Well, I mean, I think just for my perspective, I think after what happened with the most recent Love is Blind reunion, the debacle that was the live, not live, horrible reunion show, I don't think Netflix is going to be suing anyone or sending any cease and desist letters for at least the next six months because it, it would make them look terrible or connect yeah, or a, anybody involved with this. It would be a bad move strategically. Yeah. Yeah. Are you really going to are you really going to threaten and, and sue someone for starting a not for profit for human rights? Let's see how that goes. Well, if it's the Bachelor franchise, probably. They probably yes, they would. would. <laughs> we don't know yet because this is really the first challenge to Kinetic. It's it's the first challenge to Love is Blind. At least I feel it is this past week with what you're doing, um, with what all of these other players also are doing coming forward, talking about this stuff. It really is something that's happening so soon in the evolution of Love is Blind. And it's taken Bachelor arguably 25 seasons to get to a point where players are kind of collectivizing and going against the producers, going against the production entities that have made their lives essentially living hell for the past 23 years. I mean, they're still they're still so scared. None of them are speaking, I would say, as outwardly yeah. as you are. Well, let me comment on that. First, I've met a couple of the bachelor, I've talked to a couple of contestants from The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, and they are all scared. Um, and they're scared. Mm -hmm. I'm, why am I blinking on his name who got sued a year ago? Blake Horstman. Luke Parker. They're worried about that. Um, they are they are in complete control of The Bachelors, um, and they're, they're terrified. And I can tell you, yeah. I have gotten so many messages from people who are like, thank you for doing this. I was on X show. Um, some of them kinetic, some of them other shows, like even cooking shows have these mental health abuses <gasps> that I'm learning about. Oh Everyone is so scared. They're like, how are you doing this? And I'm like, cause I'm not as scared to fight for what's right, but I understand like you have lives and you have families. I'm like, yeah. listen, what are they getting? I don't have anything for them to come take. So they've taken a whole lot from me and they've taken a whole lot from a lot of other people. And if we bring everybody together, are they really going to, are they going to sue everybody for speaking out? Because these abuses are, are much, much more common than people think. And I've got plenty yeah. of, of people that have reached out to share their stories and um, more that I haven't even gotten to hear yet. So yeah, I would echo that. I think people are, t people are honestly terrified and it's the, the intimidation tactics, not just in the contract, but explicitly calling individuals up and threatening them. I've heard multiple times, right. To not speak. And it's, it's such like, this thuggery that you don't think should be like in yeah. a civilized society. It's absolutely insane. Um, I, I think the other aspect is, look, we're not talking about behind the scenes stuff that happened um, on camera, but wasn't aired, right? We're not talking mm -hmm. about the proprietary process. We're not talking about some algorithm they use for the matches, right? Which by the way, you can be charged a million dollars per item that you go against the narrative told in the story. Yeah. So if you yeah. if you talk about the stuff they didn't there, it's a million dollars violation per violation. That's but, what Bachelor is as well. And they threaten you before the show with that on a call with a lawyer too before it airs. We're, we're, we're just talking about abuses. Right. And I see this from a whistleblower perspective. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Th they would make the argument that we're contract laborers and therefore we don't have whistleblower protections. But they're filing the W-2. They also file W-2s for us. So um, I don't know who they're lying to here, either the IRS or us. And I hope they're not lying to the IRS. I think they're probably <laughs> lying to themselves, too. 
Yeah, of course. Cognitive yeah. dissonance. There they really is a, a culture in reality TV, almost specifically in reality dating TV, because other shows are more upfront about it. Like Survivor is like, we're going to put you on this fucking island and you're not going to be able to eat or drink, <laughs> like hunt for your own food and shit. Fine. That's the premise of the and show. Na- naked and afraid, you yeah. should expect to be naked, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> but with the dating shows, there seems to be this other thing at play, which is a big lie about what the show actually is. It is not about helping people find love. It's about destroying people psychologically to produce what the, the producers think is, in quotes, drama. And that makes good TV. And I don't think that's actually necessary to make these shows good. But it's just been yeah. no. in practice since March 25th. 2001 bachelor episode one like they've been doing it since then and it's only gotten worse uh and worse i think and and now at least in the bachelor franchise to the detriment of that franchise those shows are not good i mean i just saw an article today that's like the bachelor needs to fix itself now or it's it's done so what i mean i don't think it's going to be done because it still is winning monday nights on abc it's still comparatively speaking is the highest rated show on network television Mm -hmm. in the monday eight to 10 time slots so they can still charge the highest ad rates through it. And it doesn't matter if the overall network TV ratings are dwindling across the board. As long as they're on top of that shrinking pile, they can still make money. But I was going to ask you this question because you brought it up a little bit earlier about um, thinking that these shows are real. How much of the audience that is watching Love is Blind do you think believes everything they're seeing is 100% accurate? Um, Well, from my perspective, I would tell you it's... it seems at first like 100%. Um, the amount yeah, of like comments. 100% of the DMs I received. <laughs> right. And you know, I always say, I'm like, hold on a second. Like you saw 114, I think it was, minutes of my relationship. Like you have no idea what it's actually like. You saw right. a couple minute segments here and there that were handpicked and chosen for you to see leaving out all of the other things that were filmed that left the cutting room floor, leaving out all of the moments that there weren't cameras, which there weren't that many, leaving out all of those, you know, four or five, six hours a day, I was talking in the pods with people towards the end. Like it's, you don't see any of it and that's okay. But like what the, the challenge that I face is like producer is not a mental health professional in, in any case that I've seen. And they're there to tell a story. Okay. And that story has been, in my opinion, at least in this scenario, that story has been somewhat pre-written. And now their job is to guide you into the direction of the story that they're trying to tell. For sure. In Bachelor, they literally, in the casting process, this is before anybody steps out of a limo and before frame one is shot of the show, they have uh, charts and documents with all the different players that they're going to put into that season with the roles they will play in that season villain for the right reasons whatever and then they write specifically to achieve that outcome Mm -hmm. so at least in bachelor most of the time whatever the narrative is of a season is already pre-written before the players even show up i would imagine in love is mind it's a little different because you never know what somebody's going to do in the pods and who might match up but i think they have a very strong idea of who's going to be a villain like if you watch season four i'm pretty sure they cast irena solomonova specifically to be the villain and she delivered because what choice did she have they manipulate you. I'm that even process. more paranoid than that. I'm like, I think they paired up the soulmates too. <laughs> yeah. So here, here's what I've heard. I've heard from um, the producers, and I'm not going to name any of them. You know, this is their job or whatever. But like, I heard from a couple that that Danielle and I were working with, and we switched producers once we got engaged. They brought in a new producer to produce us, which I could tell a whole hmm. story about why I think that happened. Maybe another episode. But um, <laughs> the the fact is, is 
they literally said like, we decide, we made the active decision, her producer and my producer to just let you and Danielle go because we connected so quickly. So it, it like, we they were like, we didn't want to meddle. We didn't want to get involved. Kind of alluding to the fact that like, we were not supposed to be in that situation that we were in together. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I do believe they have, uh, you know, ideas of who's going to be what, like, I think my role there was to play, you know, the, the stable, successful person who's got their stuff together and practices yoga and mindfulness. And, and, um, you know, that was Has the role that I was. Cast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think there were a couple other guys, Jeremy being one of them that were probably there to maybe fill that role. And they knew that, um, you know, that would be attractive and, and they did the same thing on the other side. They had the successful, confident women, um, and they had, uh, you know, a variety of others, just like they did with the men. And so I feel like they just kind of, they may not have exactly who you want to end up with, but they kind of have like a pool of, you know, these three, mm-hmm. we want to try and match with these three. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's speculation, but it seems pretty and, clear going through it. And I'll, I'll speculate further. <laughs> um, I think <laughs> Nick, as you, as you know, I had a pretty opposite experience, um, where there was some pretty heavy handed manipulation to try to force me into a storyline. And I'm not going to mention what that is, but um, you know, cause that's getting behind the scenes stuff, but I think they absolutely do have a script from the producer's perspective of where things are going to go and what's going to happen. And, you know, I think Nick, Nick and Danielle might have just fallen into that script, um, you know, for lack of a better direction. So there was no need to force it anymore, but, mm-hmm. um, we had no insight into how they were choosing the matches, right? We would, you know, the, the way matches were selected, we were, it was indicated that we had control over that. But um, in the end, we had no way of knowing whether or not um, we actually did. Yeah, it's similar in Bachelor. It's I think a lot of the audience thinks that The Bachelor is making all these choices about who's staying, who's going home, who's getting the first impression rose or the group date rose. The Bachelor chooses none of that. It's all producers. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you this, though, Nick. When you guys get to your uh, meetup with all of the couples was in Mexico, right? Yeah, that was right. So you guys get to Mexico and this producer who said, okay, hands off, we're just going to let your relationship develop as it develops. Clearly, once you get to Mexico, you've stated in the Insider article, that's not what happened. Um, You believe that a producer kind of locked Danielle away and then had you go out and have conversations with the other uh, people who were there that night to make it seem like you were no longer interested in the relationship, to raise her anxiety, to kind of attack her mental health situation that was going on. Did you ever talk to any of the other players or contestants, however you like to phrase them, we call them players, but did you talk to anybody else from your season um, about any other kind of manipulations that producers might've done to them in that way to try and get a story out of something that really wasn't one? Yeah. The the whole Mexico thing, you know, was weird because like I said, we got a new producer. They brought him on another show. Um, if I remember correctly, it was the ultimatum um, and they brought him out. Uh, to be Danielle and my producer. And we hadn't met him. We didn't know who he was. And he didn't know our story like our Mm -hmm. producers did. But I also, we both thought we weren't going to be going to Mexico because we were too boring. We didn't have, we didn't have any drama. We didn't, which we all know how that went, but like, we didn't have any (laughs) drama. We didn't have any, any like issues or disagreements. We were handling any, any conflict or, or difference of opinions, like very Mm -hmm. in the pause, we were handling them very healthily, um, listening to one another. You know, repeating back all of that stuff that you teach. And then that, that whole thing in Mexico, like Danielle was sick. Um, we weren't being fed properly. We weren't being, 
um, you know, given enough water, they shut our ability to order food from our TV off after we did that the first day. Um, and so naturally, and of course, like, of course we were having some drinks. Um, they put two bottles of alcohol in the room. Um, and then there was a COVID scare. So the first day, all you can eat (laughs) exactly all you can drink. (laughs) Um, so, you know, naturally like the next day she wakes up, we're fine. Starts getting ready maybe swallow some water, which, you know, you know, you can't really do all of a sudden, I don't know where she gets sick to her stomach. Um, and that's a COVID symptom. So protocol states that she had to take a COVID test. Well, the COVID test came back negative. Then all of a sudden protocol became, oh, well, we can't, we can't have you around the rest of the cast and the crew because of COVID protocol. And it's like, so Nick's going to have to go to the couple's party by himself. And so, but you're you know, sleeping with her, right? You're sleeping in the same room as her. Yeah, you're night. in the same room. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> we spent the whole day before together in the hotel room by ourselves. So it's like makes no sense. Like that's just the protocol. And I'm right. like, that literally doesn't make any sense. And so I said, well, I don't. I'm not going to the party without her. And that's right. when like the divide and and conquer and the conversation of like this is going to look really bad if you guys don't go. And kind of alluding to the fact that like it would be damaging to, I don't know, our story or our experience, however you want to put it. Um, and ultimately we decided that I would go and, um, you know, the rest is kind of history and been talked to death. But, um, you know, I said this in the business insider article, they, I came back probably two hours, I would say after the party. Um, and you know, I I knew Danielle had anxiety and I knew that this was not going to be a good thing for her to just sit there and know that she's First of all, missing out on seeing all the couples for the first time. Second of all, like this is traumatic. We just got engaged. We just spent our first night together. Like this is traumatic. This is a lot and it's fat. And so I, I specifically asked them, like, okay, I'll go to the party, but I want this producer who was an associate producer that we had Danielle and I really liked. She was very empathetic. She understood um, the stress and understood uh, the anxiety. And so I was like, I want her outside of our door if I'm going to go so that Danielle has someone to talk to. And that producer was not there. And shortly thereafter quit because of how they were treated. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like they, they didn't do oh, that. And God. then as I came back, they, they were like, okay, go in there and sit close to her uh, because you're mic'd and she's not. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, so we got to pick up some, all this and up your mic. Okay. So I go in there and I'm not thinking much of it. I'm like, why wouldn't they mic her? Maybe I got that quicker than they thought. You know, I'm just in my five seconds to turn to the room. And I had no idea she had a panic attack. They didn't tell me. Um, you know, she was just sitting on the bed and cameras were in our faces. And Jesus. I was just, I sat down and I'm like, how, how are you doing? Like the couple's party was crazy. You wouldn't believe this and this and this. And and um, then we got in this, this argument. And then we got in an argument with the producers. And I took my microphone off and I threw it you know, out. I don't know if it landed in the water or if they caught it or if I was strong enough to throw it over the pool. But I said, we're done filming. We're leaving. And, um, you know, then it was all hands on deck to come and try and convince us not to leave. Mm -hmm. I think they get away with a lot of stuff by being like, it's a production need. We're we're losing hours. We can't take lunch or da da da. Mm -hmm. I I don't think I probably need to ask this, but do you think it would have been better for the relationship if you didn't go to Mexico? You know, I, I think it's possible. Um, but you know what, what really bothers me about this? And, and I've been a little vocal about this on some of my social media, but like, 
What I realize that you do when you're in this hyper intense environment, whether it's Mexico, whether it's later on, whether it's back in real life, is you have been, your nervous system has been so heightened and in a constant state of fight or flight now for two, over two weeks. And then you, you know, you go from these, like you're on camera, everything you say and do is being monitored, every interaction you have. Then you go all the way to your hotel room where you then spend three days after seeing your fiance for the first time. And, and, um, you don't get to see him. You don't get to talk to him. You spend 20, 25 minutes with him when you see each other. And then the next time you see him is in Mexico. And it's like three or four days. So you're just, so you go from these like hyper intense situations to the other. And you don't have anyone there to help you process how you're feeling, help you navigate conflict. Like if there was a, if there was a therapist, mental health professional in Mexico that stepped in and was like, hang on, you know, we're not going to film this until, you know, Danielle confirms to me that we're okay. Go get Nick and let's, let's inform him what's going on. And then, you know, let's help them navigate this because this is, you know, heightened extreme or first panic attack in front of me. And you know, that's a difficult thing to navigate for both of us. They could help us develop healthy habits for communication and conflict resolution, as opposed to and show people in the world how to do it too. You know? Exactly. And that's why right. yeah. an people. opportunity for good. Yeah. This yeah. show yeah. could do that. They could do, they could be that people would watch that. Clues. It is springtime. It is the off season. It mm. is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. <gasps> I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. <laughs> Just call me Quinced, King Quinces. Okay. They call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince King yourself or Quince Queen. Go to Quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues, uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, it has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the the whole premise of life is is kind of a, a it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. 
It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Then you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing nothing great for free spirit types well for all the free spirits out there right now you can shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes xxs through 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know we sent you after you place your order select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows again that's skims it would help people it's like the show is a massive hit and they do it this way so the producers (laughs) or kinetic and all the the production entities involved they have like a real interest in keeping it like it is Mm -hmm. because they know this works unfortunately Look, and I think it's important to distinguish between people and corporations, right? Um, I personally don't have anything against any of the individuals involved, right, as people. To me, it's about the corporation. It's about Kinetic. It's about Netflix. Corporations, by definition, are psychopathic, right, in the sense that they cannot express empathy towards other people. They are driven purely by their own motives for profit and shareholder value, right? So that's why we have regulations in place. The problem is, these regulations somehow have missed all of reality TV, right? They're basic yeah. human rights regulations don't exist in reality TV. So minimum wage laws. Yeah, you have you have just like corporations with zero constraints allowed to have mm-hmm. full control over how they produce things. So to your point, absolutely, this is wildly profitable. It's making a lot of money and it's doing really, really well, right? But that's because there's no constraints around it, right? Just because yeah. something does well doesn't mean it's the right thing to be doing when the motivation is 100% profit and shareholder value and you're not being constrained by the social norms that the state generates around what you can and can't do to individuals. Yeah, and it's dangerous. Like, you know, as someone who has suffered from panic attacks, it's like, if people don't really have a lot of training or understanding of what's going on, it can go to like even worse things happening. And it's just like, it's so scary to hear you say like that you're just like basically forced to film. They're not even telling you what happened. There's no, no one who has any mental health. Like there should be mental health people all the time on these shows because you're engaging in like very it, in, independent, conflict. independent mental yeah. health, right? Because yeah. you don't want a conflict yeah. of interest. 
No, you don't want to be talking to a therapist who is actually a producer uh, and then just says, well, takes I, everything you say and uses it against you. What so it, yeah, I, heard, I heard that from someone on The Bachelor where he said, in retrospect, he feels like the psychologists and sets were there to see where they could push him that day and what they could get him to do oh and what he was God. not capable of doing. And he's like, I don't, I can't prove yeah. it. This is a private conversation. He's like, I can't prove it, but I think that might be why they were actually there. Oh, of course they yeah, do. Yeah, and I, this, huh. it's very reminiscent to me, or not reminiscent. I wasn't alive at this time, but early professional sports, before there were players' associations, they used to just mm. use and abuse all their players, every sport Major League Baseball, NBA, football, NHL, all of it. Yeah, football is still doing it. <laughs> well, they have an independent contractor now that has to um, clear someone from the concussion pro- protocol. Yeah, and that's kind of exactly. like the view that I want us to get to with reality TV yes. is like this person, like maybe there's a fee that the production company has to pay in order to fund it. But like this person is not managed whatsoever by the production company. This person is an independent source that is there to put the cast members needs first. Yeah. yeah and they created have- crazy COVID budgets out of nothing. They could easily do this. Yeah. And it, it seems like, to your point, every industry goes through this kind of up, up, upheaval and turmoil, right? You know, the sports industry did it. Um, you know, the the scripted acting did it. Um, yeah. Psychology did it with the Stanford prison experiment, right? Um, and then way back in the Industrial Revolution, um, you know, that's when workers' rights first started. So it, I, I think this, this industry is going to have this moment. I am incredibly hopeful that this is the catalyst yeah. of that moment, right? That, but it's going to come, it's going to happen. It's just, it continues to appall me that in a society to where we have had, we consider ourselves civilized and we consider ourselves first world and we consider ourselves socially advanced and promoting social justice, that this is even a conversation, right? It's just, it, yeah. it blows my mind. But it's the, the pro- I believe what keeps these shows alive you know, as as more people like you come out and talk about these injustices being done to the player base, why are people still signing up for these shows? And I think the reason for that is you can walk out of there with a million Instagram followers, yeah. potentially get married, et cetera, et cetera. So I was going to ask you both. And they don't really know. It, so that's yeah. the thing. Scooped you don't LinkedIn. really know. And and I posted a reel and a TikTok about that. I'm like, Because people say, you signed up for this. I'm like, I signed up to find a wife and build a relationship that leads to getting married. I didn't sign up to not have water. I didn't sign up to lose 15 pounds in the first three weeks. I did not sign up to be deprived of sleep. I did not sign up to be threatened by lawyers that if they tell a story that isn't true to what happened, that I can't speak my piece. And I don't think anyone does. And people think that they have this understanding of what this is like just because they've watched that hour and 13, 14 minutes on TV. And they, they don't like it is a process. It is it is long. It is tedious. And if if it works out, that's great. But like you don't know if they're going to ruin your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's what we call in The Bachelor, the grocery store Joe on one of his podcasts said it depends on who you wind up being, implying that the producers basically have complete control over whatever your character is, whatever your narrative is. And then that gets conveyed to what we call the fourth audience, everybody at home watching. And you're either going to be getting death threats or well, probably everybody gets death threats. Even if you walk out of it pretty clean, you're going to get some. But what I was going to ask was, there are obviously people who go through Love is Blind and come out the other side married, super in love, all the Instagram followers leading essentially fantastic lives, dream lives. Do you think that the producers are kind of engineering that from the beginning? Like what, what in your estimation 
makes the difference in a producer's mind between somebody they have to manipulate and lie to and people that they're going to put up on a pedestal and help achieve all their all the success yeah and uh i'll just uh i think nick might have a different perspective but i just wanted to say like related to that i can't speak personally for what couples who have made it how their actual relationships are right like mm -hmm. we can't we can't equate instagram to reality so i think it's really important to remember but this goes back to the lack of pay, right? It's just a thousand dollar a week stipend. So you come out of this and now, you know, whether you're a villain or whether you're successful or whether you're married, um, you have this moment in the spotlight to try to gain that million Instagram followers and to try to generate revenue off of that. Right. And mm -hmm. so you become reliant on Kinetic and Netflix to yes. help promote you, to fund your podcast, to bring you to the reunion events and to bring you to the premieres, right? To pay you to promote other shows. It's Hunger Games, they own you forever. Right, so regardless of your experience and regardless of whether you, like, especially some of these people who, and I don't blame any of them, right? For, for mm -hmm. people who refuse to speak out against this because their 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 monetary value is based off working with Connecticut Netflix. I get it. They didn't pay you. <laughs> you're you're trying to make the best of it you can. And I totally respect that's a rational decision, right? That's a rational decision. Yeah. It seems like you guys don't want to go on perfect match. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like that's that's part of the problem, right? Like they're they're forcing people out into the world to take this experience, relive the drama, rehash the drama, comment on other people's dramas, um, just so they can make the money they should have made by the fact that they generated wealth for these companies in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, if people look hacky on Instagram, that's probably one of the big motivators for a lot of people. And, and Nick, I know you, you've got probably a better perspective. So one of the, the interesting things that I noticed when we were there um, and again, like I said, I watched season one. Um, I actually thought for the most part, people were well represented. I think I, I haven't talked much to Jessica from season one, but we Instagram a little bit every now and then and, you know, send support. But um, she, I mean, I know she got a pack job editing and, um, you know, other than that, I, I didn't feel like people were, were really poorly represented. I think people made poor choices given the circumstances. But when I was on our season, um, I didn't notice really quickly, like I didn't necessarily think people were there for the right reasons. And if they were there for the right reasons, and by the right reasons, I mean the social experiment that we were all sold. Sure. Um, uh, but, you know, so they're there to find potential love and get married. Um, there were conversations going on where, where people were saying like, oh, I think I need to you know, hone in on someone and lock them down so I can get to Mexico. Cause if you get to Mexico, you get yeah. more followers or, or, you know, uh, I, you know, trying to claim people, um, people especially were openly saying that in the lounge. Yeah. Yeah. People I'm like, you guys know, you're not doing this right. Like I said that more than one time, like you're not doing this. Right. Well, that's very scary to be doing it in a production. If you're saying that on camera, at least in the bachelor franchise, you are fucked. They're going to yeah. take that footage and be like, look at this villain. Everybody hate them. And you're going to lose a hundred thousand Instagram followers and all your brand sponsorship deals. Right. I was, I was only there a week. Um, I think as kinetic loves to bring up over and over again, that trauma can't happen in a week. Yeah. Um, but you know, mm -hmm. I, I heard those conversations too. And to me, like I, I was in it for the same reason that Nick was like, I didn't have any expectations. I was keeping an open mind, but like, call me naive. I don't, I didn't, I didn't watch reality TV. So I bought their narrative of like, yeah, we we want you to find love. We want you to find happiness, be genuine, be open. And so I was like, that's, that was the only motivation I had there was to genuinely connect with somebody. And, yeah. you know, I remember thinking in the lounge when I heard 
what Nick was talking about, you know, Nick never said this, but like other people who are like, oh, well, I, I got to make sure to lock this person down to get to like, they clearly have the ulterior motives. I remember like very naively thinking to myself, like, ah, oh, you guys, you're not going to get there because you're in here for the wrong reasons. But the, <laughs> the, the ultimate irony of that was from the producer's standpoint, it was the opposite. I was there, you know, my motivations were not going to create the drama that they needed, or at least, you know, they, mm-hmm. they couldn't have multiple stable couples. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, it just reflecting on that. It's so ironic from my perspective, but it's, it's opened my eyes and I was naive going in and maybe that's what, maybe that's one of the reasons they selected me. Yeah. I mean, there really are only three ways I feel like, or three kind of characters that you can play in any of these dating reality shows and have success. You have to be a villain, a victim, or uh, for the right reasons, couple essentially. And those are the people who Hmm. notoriously get the most Instagram followers. And if you're playing a villain, it has to be a very interesting kind of villain, like a Francesca Farrago, who was from Too Hot to Handle, now in Perfect Match. She's the biggest Netflix reality star that they have, and she'll be in all of their shows until there is no more Netflix. Six million Instagram followers, something like that. Her interview is, I'm really looking to find my soulmate in this love experiment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like just read from the teleprompter for some people. <laughs> yeah, it, it really does seem like the the hand of fate in these reality shows is very fickle in terms of who's going to come out of this a star and have essentially a, a easy street for the next three to five years selling hair care products and teeth whitening strips and who is going to have a mental health crisis and then seek to potentially sue the show or or whatever. Yeah, roll the dice. Well, I want to I want to push back on that. But like <laughs> the the lack of success was has zero to do with why I decided to file a lawsuit. And I want to make that so oh, incredibly clear. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. I don't I, I wasn't trying to insinuate. Otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. But Sorry I think just the, right. the way the narrative was going there. Right. And I, I think yeah. it's 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 an it's an aspersion that's been sent my way. Um, and, you know, I understand why it is. Honestly, I do. But this is an important cause and um, I am 100% devoted to it. Uh, it it's, I you know, fully, I fully believe you. And this is an attack that they do on bachelor people too, is they'll be like, Oh, well, you're just bitter. You weren't final four or they don't listen to the, they don't listen to the lived experiences of the night one players. They, it, as if they must all be liars. Right. It's like it doesn't again. It's like it doesn't count if it didn't happen on TV. And I think everybody has to know a little bit better than at this point. Yes, the the audience has to get smarter about this. But it's also like at least in Bachelor. And I know, Nick, you're saying you were kind of just like you didn't even tell your employer that you were going on the show until the day before. But I don't know if your experience was different, Jeremy, but um, usually it's like there's a whole months long lead into this of going through the different casting processes, really trying to figure out, well, shit, can I take two months off of work? And then in Bachelor, like they're not paying for your wardrobe and shit. So now you got to go if you're uh, going on Bachelor, you know, 10K in the hole to get all your different cocktail party dresses and all this stuff. There are these costs that get incurred, both psychological and literal uh, monetary costs that I don't think a lot of people understand. And so if you do all of that, and then you get eliminated from the show in the first week or the first day or whatever, it's still a giant mental toll that it takes on you, I feel like, to have gone through all of that. And then it's like, for what? And then mm-hmm. there's no yeah. support net there. The show's just like, fuck you very much. And they don't even, you know, answer your phone calls and shit. At least in Bachelor, that's how it is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, well let I mean, me tell you, it's, yeah. it's, I was begging for help afterwards yeah. and I couldn't get anything from them. I was asking the culture. 
Um, we couldn't find a couples counselor because it was 2021 and everyone was in counseling from COVID, which is great. I think everyone should be in counseling. Um, but we couldn't find one. We couldn't find everyone was full. Um, they'd recommend you to someone mm-hmm. who was full. And um, I just wow. I was on the phone multiple times asking. I sent some emails, different people saying, hey, like we need help. Do you want a success story? Like, please help us. You put us into this situation and now you're not helping us. And it's not like I was uh, asking for something that they didn't already promise. But also the realization I had, because I thought I'm like, we, you know, we're a success story. We show this works. Like they have to care. They have to want this to be a success. Turns out they don't care. I don't think they would have cared if we showed up to the reunion and had been separated for eight months at the time. I don't think they would have cared. I think they would have loved that drama. And um, yeah. I think that that's unfortunate because, um, you know, do I think that my situation would have ended differently? Um, maybe, maybe if we built those healthy habits early on, on how to navigate conflict in such a high, high strung situation that maybe it would be a little bit smoother for us. Um, you know, once we kind of adjusted back in the regular life, but they didn't offer any support. And I think that's, you know, why would you not want to invest in one of your couples that shows that love is blind? It just doesn't make any sense. But I think it's because they would have rather had that. They don't do it with The Bachelor either. In fact, the watchback period is where the couples mostly break up because they're going through this really stressful thing. Yeah. They never live in the same city, basically, on that show. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber skincare. Sweaters, candles, The dreaded bathrobe? Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things. 
and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater, and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, Frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Um, if either of you had a friend who asked you, they were like, okay, I got cast. I'm going on the show. What would you say that? Or would you just be like, don't do it? Or would you give them any strategies or advice going on? Well, if you want to actually ask someone specifically, it's that that's sitting next to me who came to me back in October and was like, I'm cast in North Carolina. Um, I relate to you. And I'm curious if you're talking about your experience. We talked a lot. I never told her what to wow. do. I said, here's the kind of things you need to think about. Like you seem like, you know, a, a woman who's got her stuff together, you know what you're looking for, you know what you want. This can ruin you. This can set you back years. This can, um, you know, you, you might be there thinking, oh my God, I really like this guy. And this guy just had a conversation on the other side. That's like, I think I'm going to hone in on you or on this person. And then from that point on, their whole goal is not to get to know you. It's not to find out if you are compatible. It's going to be to find out or to get you to the altar where they've already decided they're going to say no, maybe before they even came on. And they're just playing a role. And there's, there's not everyone that's like that, but there are some people like that. And just imagine being in that scenario when you walk down the aisle and you think you're going to marry this person that you fall in love with. And that's not real. And, um, you know, I don't want to speak on behalf of my friend, but you know, that related, I'm sure some other things do did too. And she decided not to do it anymore. But I think, um, and, and there's others too, and not as extensive as that where I built a friendship, but um, there's others too where I'm like, you know, here, here's how you got to think about it. Here's how you got to look at it. 
And the, the reality of it all is it isn't always glitz and glamour. It's, it's, it's not even after when you get the following, like, and followings aren't what they used to be. You don't, you know, you don't get the same bachelors are getting, you know, the, the men are getting like maybe two fifty. Okay. A lot, but you know, yeah, it's not, everyone's getting a million and you yeah. know, you, you have to figure out how to monetize it yourself. You have to figure out, um, you know, to pay for an agent, you have to pay for PR people. You have to, you know, you have to do all of that. And, and, and it's just the whole process is you just don't know what you're really getting into. It's like, yes, people do reach out. Um, I never tell anyone what to do, but I want to make sure that they have, uh, my personal experience sort of in their, in their front view so that they can go into this with their eyes wide open. There's a moment in, in the structure of the game of love is blind when the players have absolute power, there is in bachelor two and I've never seen them wield it. Or at least if it's been wielded, we don't know about it because the producers have hidden these moments. But when everybody <laughs> arrives in Mexico, after all the proposals and the reveals, when it's been narrowed down, this is the cast for the, the last two thirds of our season. Those players have absolute power. If they all sat down collectively and said, we're not shooting a fucking frame unless we get these things, whatever our demands are. Prisoner's dilemma, man. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever uh, given that advice to any incoming players? Because I talk about it all the time for Bachelor. On night one, yes, if all do. those players showed up and they said, here's what's going to happen, the producers yeah. would be over a barrel. They would have to uh, acquiesce <laughs> to these demands. I think that's a great point. I had That hadn't crossed my mind, um, but... I, I I personally, when I reflect on what happened, I wish I would have put my foot down on more things. I put my foot down on some things and said, no, we're not doing that. Or, or no, that's not going to be, you know, uh, something that we're comfortable with. And Danielle did the same thing, but, um, I think I would have gone in that differently and said no to a lot of this stuff. And I think, um, the challenge is like, you're pretty divided when you're in Mexico. Yeah. Like they don't want you interacting with the other cast because they want to capture it all. Yeah. So you don't really get that opportunity to sort of um, come together and build this this groundswell. Um, I definitely think post show you have a lot of power as well. Yeah. If you can if you can build that camaraderie, which is hard, right? Because people compete over men, they compete over women, then they compete with each other, and then I I it I can't watch it anymore. Um, yeah. it, it's too much. Uh, it's too sad. And I think, um, you know, I, I think there's been some crazy stuff that's happened in the last season specifically where it's like, you know, how does everyone come together when you're just constantly being divided over something? And then even now, like I know for a fact that there are so many people from our season that agree with what I'm saying, agree with what even Danielle's saying and agree with what Jeremy's saying. They are either scared or they're not going to bite the hand that feeds them. And I think that's, you know, that's going to be our big hurdle with, with the UCAN foundation is how do we get people to stop being scared to speak up and how do we get people who, who maybe have monetarily, um, you know, won from this whole thing and still continue to, how do we get them to also stand up for how they felt before all of that? Cause they had all of right. these feelings yeah. before all of that. And Cause they're, I mean, they're the biggest voices in love is blind you know is these successful couples is these uh, instagram powerhouses at that point that's who you want to be with you i think it is a matter of time chad and i have been just screaming that everyone needs to unionize into the void yes. uh for a long time but i i do think it feels like there's momentum building 
And I do think it'll happen eventually. I'm hopeful it's with you guys. I'm hoping it's now. And we're here to help however we can. We appreciate that. I can tell you too, like my experience, I've been organizing politically since 2008. um, And I just worked with a working families party in Chicago, albeit not as as much as I I, in retro wish I did, but we just got a progressive mayor elected in Chicago by organizing. Uh, I organized with, you know, Bernie Sanders in 2016 and 2020. I hosted events. I spoke at events. Like I know how to organize. And yeah. I'm going, I'm, it's going to take time and it won't happen overnight, but they shouldn't have cast you. <laughs> no, they, they shouldn't have. It really, it, I think from, from my perspective of somebody, as someone who's been academically studying these things for a little, a little bit now, uh, and actively coaching players to infiltrate the bachelor franchise and come mm-hmm. out with uh, vital information from their experiences. But, um, I think what you're doing with you can, and I would love for you to explain a little bit about what it is. I, I'm curious to ask you after you explain this, please also let me know, do you see this as something that could potentially evolve into a reality performers union? Yeah, um, I I think that's a really good question. And I'll I'll start with your your first um, inquiry there about what it is. And essentially, Mm -hmm. we want to see a future where reality TV is is produced and distributed in an ethical way to where cast members aren't exploited or abused, to where human rights aren't, basic human rights and needs aren't violated, to where there's full transparency upfront about what you're getting yourself involved into, and um, to where there's mental health support, like independent mental health support, both before production, during production, and after production. And I think that's really critical. And it's, we're not, I think it's really important to point out we're not against these shows at all. Like we're not trying to kill reality TV. Um, we we don't want people to feel guilty for watching these things. Like it's it's good entertainment. It allows people to de-stress and sort of project some of their own drama onto people on the TV, which is it's 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 a it's a good thing in some ways, right? But there is absolutely no reason. In fact, there is no excuse in today's society, in today's world, for it to be produced the way it is. And yeah. the, the reason why we started UCAN is because they have been successful in isolating and separating out the cast members so that we can't band together and, to your point, have that power movement, right, that change the power differential in our favor to band together and unite and to actually act, you know, require change, to push for change. So part of what the UCAN is, is not just to provide professional services, um, such as uh, healthcare or mental health support and legal services and to help people feel less threatened, but to provide a network where we can get together and start talking um, because there is no union. So we're starting here. And I, you know, and I'll pass it over to you because I know, I know uh, you, you can say this better than I can. Yeah. So the, here's the, the great thing about organizing and protesting and bringing people together and you do it from the ground up, you do it from a groundswell like we're doing now going on these podcasts. The thing that's going to be the big difference is when we get so many of us that they can't ignore us. And then we make our list of demands and they have no choice but to meet them because we don't just have this, you know, and I, again, we're not unionizing at the moment. Is that a vision? Absolutely. That's something we talk about. Absolutely. But Fantastic. Um, yeah, w- what I see happening here is we're going to get a groundswell of people. And if you go read comments, people are like, I'm done with this show. I had no idea done with the show, get messages of people saying, I'm so sorry that I thought this about, you know, you, or I thought this about your relationship, or I thought this, and like, I feel gross. And I'm like, you don't, you didn't even have to say anything. I didn't know you existed, but thank you. And people, so we're going to get that, that groundswell 
and I'm, and it's not just kinetic. I, I've heard from people from kinetic shows, people from bachelor, people from love is blind, people from food shows, um, you know, people from other dating shows. And the bottom line is like, once we, once we get everybody together and it's like, look at how big we are, look at how much power we have. That's when we'll be able to actually start to make a difference. Additionally, we'll start to have the audience on our side. Most people in the world and in America are very compassionate and they are, they look at this and they, they express their feelings of discern and they just express their feelings of, of, um, of, of angst and disgust with the way that people are being treated and people are being exploited. And that's when you, when you do it, you get the people together, you get a groundswell of support underneath it. And then you start making some demands and you start shutting. It can happen. I I mean, I'm inspired, but I just a small, the only real unionization we've seen of the bachelor players did accomplish something. This is season 25 Mm -hmm. after Matt James was the the first black bachelor. Mm-hmm. There was this racism scandal where the host, Chris Harrison, is basically acting racist towards the first black bachelorette, Rachel Lindsay. And then all of the women on Matt James's season got together and posted the same Instagram post at the same time. We mm-hmm. stand with Rachel Lindsay. Then the bachelorette contestants from what was that? Tasha's season? Claire yes. Tasha's season. They then posted the same thing and then Katie Thurston tweets. And then guess what? Chris Harrison's no longer the host in huge part due to this small yeah. unionization. If I may, this is just a marketing campaign. Maybe you guys could use it. You get all the biggest reality TV villains <laughs> that you can on your side and you do just a social media campaign. Nice black and white photography of each of the villains. And the slogan is the biggest villains in reality TV are the people who make it. Huh? That's beautiful. Brutal. That's yeah. good. <laughs> but yeah, we wish you luck with this. It's like Lizzie said, this is something we talk about constantly because these stories that are coming out about Love is Blind have been coming out for 20 years in Bachelor. People have tried to sue Bachelor. There are all kinds of things about how poorly they're treated, how the producers manipulate them. Yeah. It, it's just how this type of stuff has been made. And we agree with you unnecessarily. Yeah. Can, can I give one more quick plug here? Please, please. Yeah. Anything you like. Yeah, no, um, I just wanted to say we, we especially right now to get to the point that Nick is talking about where we have a large organization, like there's only three board members right now. We work all volunteer. It's just the three of us doing this entire thing. Um, and so we're relying on donations to get this groundswell started. It's very grassroots right now. And the message I want to give to like people out there who might be watching the show and watching reality TV is, look, you pay whatever streaming service you use to watch whatever show that you use. You give the money and none of that money that you're watching to watch the cast members entertain you and to make your lives better. None of that money is going to them. Right. It's not going to the cast members. In fact, it's actually continuing this cycle of abuse and exploitation. So my message is like, look, if you just give one month of the cost of your streaming service to the UCAN Foundation, um, if everyone who watched reality TV just gave one month of the cost of their streaming service, we could solve this problem entirely i would even say the cost of the streaming service 10 years ago would help yeah like it's, it doesn't it doesn't take much where can people go to donate what is the best place um our our url is youcanfoundation.org so u c a n foundation.org and from there there's a couple of uh donation call to actions as well as ability to reach out to us talk to us if you want to volunteer if you want to join our professional services network 
or if you're a cast member, um, if you want to join our advocacy group and band together. And I would like to add to that too. I, I, I want to give a message out. We have had an overwhelming overwhelming support from the mental health professional community coming to our site, reaching out on DMs, even sharing the content and commenting on it, which has been wonderful. But I just want to speak directly to the cast members. I understand that this is scary. Like this is terrifying. I haven't slept really all week because it's terrifying. But I will say that I know when people come together, that's when you get change and you can come to tell your story anonymously. You can come just for a conversation. I just told someone today, I'm like, when I get, you know, when I get back this weekend, like let's chat on the phone. Um, Just tell me your experiences. Tell me what you're going through. We'll have some camaraderie. I just met someone from season one the other day in Atlanta. um, You know, when I was down there to just miserate with what our experiences were like. And then here, um, hell spoiler alert, they're filming love is blind in Charlotte right now. So that could, uh, that's an important thing too, because people are coming off of the show. They have no idea what their edit's going to look like. They have no idea what they've yeah. gotten themselves into. And we can maybe help give them some of the support that they need so that they can show up as their best selves or, or if they're in a couple of some sort, you know, as the best version of their couple. So come to us. Do you guys have an Instagram account? We do. Yeah, we do. It's uh, um, at the underscore you can underscore foundation. Okay. I'm following this now. Um, do you care? I'll, I'll start making some of those things if you want. I don't even care. I'll do it. The You Can Foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you already got a, a marketing intern. Yeah, I love this kind of stuff. I literally love this kind of stuff. Please let me help you in any way you need help. Uh, we will take yeah. it because right now I'm yeah. running my Instagram account, my dog's Instagram account, and the You Can Instagram account. <laughs> so, he's, he's our director of outreach. Yeah, I mean, we're... <laughs> Again, I think it's important. None of us are making, we're all just working volunteer on this and it, like running an yeah. entire nonprofit up against a hundred billion dollar industry. So like we yeah. could use all the help we can get, we'll take, right? But again, it has to align with our vision. Share the message. You should say, we want all the civil rights, mental health, et cetera, et cetera. And we demand that the live stream reunion will be fixed. It's like, it's like a pizza party or something. Yeah. And then maybe people will get on board. Oh my God. Hey, I, I went into the live stream Instagram chat when that was went down and I was just trolling the whole situation and people were all for it. So I think it, I think it's a good, um, you know, I think it's a, a good launching point for us to maybe get some people um, on board that just want to have a live stream. And they can, yeah, we, we, we didn't orchestrate that, but we welcome it. Absolutely. I I think it kind of changed the narrative of like everybody in who watches reality TV wants a villain. And now the the villain arrow kind of got pointed at Netflix, kind of got pointed at Kinetic. The villain is capitalism once Mm -hmm. again. Yes. I have a great story I'm going to send you guys after this where um, it's in Breaking Points, which is a YouTube news show. They actually break down um, how that streaming incident happened because of capitalism and investments and lack of investments and changes to save money. And I watched it and I was like, wow, wow, capitalism. Problem is capitalism. Always capitalism. Always. It always is. But uh, we sincerely cannot thank you both enough for joining us today yeah. to have this conversation. Uh, I you think gotta this, come back for an update yeah. once it swells. Anytime you guys want to come back to talk about new developments with UCAN, our our door is open. We really think that this is like super important work, something we've been like hoping would come to Bachelor, and maybe this is how it's gonna uh, it's gonna work out. I'm very curious to see where this goes. Well, we, we welcome everybody, bachelor included. Yeah, we will turn down no one. 
And again, if you need to talk, if you just want to vent, if you're just curious, um, you're not committing to anything other than a conversation. So reach out. That's fantastic. Well, thanks again. And uh, we wish you luck with everything. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us on. All right. Thank you so much for having us. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 